Hello, Golden Hawks, and welcome back to The Political Impact. My name is Kelsey Hickman, and I'm your host. I'm super excited to come back to regular programming and uh, have another episode for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of this season. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mason Fitzpatrick. Mason is a fellow Golden Hawk, and he is studying political science. Mason is also an IA for a philosophy course at Uh, Wilfrid Laurier, and he's starting a IA union. So we're going to talk all about unions, the importance of unions in the political arena, and also how to get involved in his union and other unions at the school. If you have any further questions, the links will be on the Instagram. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Political Impact. Thank you again for joining us today. We have a very special guest. I'm here with Mason. How are you, Mason? I'm fantastic. Excited to be here. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Yeah, awesome. So, Mason, let's start. So, who are you, and you're a student, and what are you studying? So, I'm Mason, as you said. Um, I'm a a political science student, my fourth year, um, and I also work as an instructional assistant in uh, the philosophy department. Yeah, I should probably disclose that I am also an instructional assistant this semester. I'm working for Dr. Perella, Andrea Perella for PO218 um, for the political statistics course. Yes, so you can all watch Kelsey slowly get on board <laughs> with the union here. As I'm, Both Mason and I have um, experience as IAs, but Mason, which classes are you IAing for and like what are some of your responsibilities? Maybe we can ex- explain um, the, the job that you want to make a union. Okay, so I work as an IA in, uh, for, for the class PP111. It's uh, Knowledge and Reality. It's an intro philosophy course. Mm-hmm. And I really like doing it. I mean, I have a really good time, you know, running tutorials and, and meeting with students. And um, you So know, are really your want... tutorials based in certain philosophers uh, or articles or? It's mine are usually just based on textbook readings about, about okay. philosophers and, and their ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's a, I can see students learning. It's really, it's really, I mean, as, as I'm sure you've experienced, Kelsey, it's, it's a really magical thing to see happen. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but one of the problems is that, and that's why I'm doing this ultimately, because I love the job. And I think that it could be fair if it was, if it was democratized with the union. But um, people who want to do a good job, who end up working as IAs, um, will find themselves a lot of the time uh, either by pressure from their prof or by the nature of the job, um, doing things that they're not getting paid for, like meeting with students and you know putting extra time into marking as we should, right. um, and you know just doing a good job and being a good mentor to to these students, which is really important, and and that's something that we 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 pay for at Lori and and we should expect of our of our school. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main goal of the union then would be to um, have people know what their rights are and be able to uh, obtain uphold those rights um, while main while holding these jobs as IAs, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. I said it better myself. The, the, the so the grad TAs when they when they formed a union um, sometime last year they um, they won the right to bargain collectively. Okay, so that started and, that, and it sort of dragged on into the summer. Um, and eventually they arrived at what's called a collective agreement. 
-hmm. So a collective agreement is, um, as you can probably assume, an agreement between all the workers as a collective and the employer. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of having like individual contracts that get sent out to all the grantees, um, a lot of which are, you know, completely different, have different responsibilities, a lot of the time have completely different pay or benefits, you know, sometimes some people bill their hours, some get paid a flat rate. Um, and it's, it's really, you're at the employer's mercy. But with a collective agreement, it sets expectations and sort of a bottom floor for all the people who, who work for that employer. Right. Um, okay. And so originally... Oh, sorry to cut you off. Would your oh, union be combined with these graduate students? Because a lot of undergrads and graduate students, they work together as IAs. So would that be combining the unions and kind of including undergrads or would it be a separate thing? So we would be a separate bargaining unit in the same local. Now, the, the union world has all these terms like, like collective <laughs> bargaining and local right. and bargaining units and stuff that um, I'll do my best to sort of uh, give definitions of, but mm -hmm. remind me if I forget. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we just want to strip it down to the basics and kind of explain it, um, almost over-explain it, right? So that it can be understood um, for a vast audience. Exactly. And, and yeah. I'm sure that lots of you have heard you know, your own version of what a union is and what they do. And maybe your parents are in one and maybe they had a bad experience or they had a good one. Who knows? All I want to do is, give over, is go over what your rights are and how to use them collectively. So um, on top of that, when the grantees were negotiating, um, Bill 192, do you know the one? The, the one that freezes public servant pay? I'm gonna look at it. Okay. We might have to, we might have to. Are you speaking on Ontario? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, what was it? Um, Freezing public service pay in what way? Uh, so they, so public service pay was, was capped at a 1% increase per year, okay. uh, regardless of, of, um, you know, whether they were in a, a government agency or a hospital or mm -hmm. a university, like we are, we are technically public service. So our wages were frozen at 1% increases year over year, um, while the grad case were negotiated. So the max that they were able to win was um, a 1% increase in wages, which is not great. But that bill's been struck down in the courts. Um, so now we can negotiate for, you know, really wh whatever we can get based on how much power we have. Um, at other schools where undergrad TAs are unionized, um, uh, at McMaster, for instance, undergrad TAs get 26 an hour. At Dalhousie, undergrad TAs get 24. Um, at U of T, undergrad TAs get like 46. Undergrad TAs get 27. Okay. So um, very, it's di definitely ranging in, in compensation across Ontario. Right. Okay. That's and right. across Canada. So I'm I'm capped at 10 hours per week, as a lot of a lot of IAs are. Most who run tutorials or labs to get through 10 hours a week, and we also mark. But in and, and the school knows this, right? They know that, that we we are going to be putting in more hours than right. we have paid for. Um, and so in, in some classes, especially in business classes, um, they've made up for this by allowing IAs to bill their hours. So they write down and say, if you work 12 hours, then you bill 12. If you work 14, then you bill 14. Right. And that way you can make up for, for going off, which is great. 
-hmm. And it shows me that, you know, we could make this work. If that was, if it was like, there's a gap within Laurier's, like their ability to be a little bit more flexible with the hours than just strictly 10. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm not, you know, I I don't want to scare off business kids. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to, uh, you know, fix that by bringing them down. We want to raise the floor. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think also for, um, IAs, especially in the arts, there's a lot of reading and there's a lot of prep work before tutorials or labs that definitely doesn't get um, built as, enough, uh, as much as it should. Would you agree with that or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Prep work, prep work is, is work. Ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure that um, your students have, have, have a meaningful tutorial and, and a good learning experience. And mm-hmm. on that note, um, you know, some IAs have bad experiences with their professors. Like some professors are just, you know, abusive and, and mean. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they have the same bosses as us. Um, they're not sort of our like direct opponent in the way that that the Laurier administration is. And in a lot of ways, they have the same interests as us. And, and they would like us to, you know, have better training and get paid for prep work and stuff. But and maybe not necessarily looking at Laurier as an opponent, but looking at um, working with Laurier to find a middle ground. I think that's important in any sort of political atmosphere is to find some sort of compromise, right? If we're going to just show demonstrate a different perspective than Laurier as an institution has, and maybe find some sort of agreement. Collective agreement. There you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we're that's what we're fighting for. Yeah, and it works and, for everyone, especially the students. And I think that um, well, this podcast is all about being politically active, and unions is one of the best ways um, to stay politically active in a um, issue or a genre that is applicable to you and your life and your job. So, for you, Mason, what does being politically active mean to you personally? So people, a lot of the time, have a really narrow conception of what politics is. And mm-hmm. so they, they think of, you know, okay, well, like the artist statecraft, you know, going to committees and having bills passed and voting and campaigning. And that's all good. And that's certainly political. But at, at the end of the day, politics is about power. Mm-hmm. And building your power as, um, as an individual, as a class, as, as an interest group, um, doesn't just have to be done through the sort of like mainstream political system. Um, you know, building collective power with a union or with like a community group or with a tenant association, um, that is real and that is certainly political. Yeah, definitely. And why is it important for students to be a part of the conversation in politics, locally, internationally? So, um, I was working on a uh, city council campaign in October. And one thing that all the candidates agreed on uh, was that there's no need whatsoever to knock on any doors or put any effort into the student areas because they simply don't care and they don't vote. And so, you know, following from that is, is sort of, you think, well, if, if the politicians know that we don't vote, then they're not going to put any stock into accommodating us or passing policies that are in their interests. 
Right. So, you know, get out there and get active, make your voice heard. Yeah, I think there's definitely a gap within the student community or even the age range of 18 to, I think it's 32 is usually the government standpoint of not being traditionally politically active. There's other ways that I find Gen Z has become politically active using social media and using different avenues on the internet um, and things like that. I think that if we try to um, get people excited online and figure out a way to translate that into the traditional avenues of politics that we know, voting and unions uh, and things like that, maybe it would make a difference. So there's definitely a gap for that bridge, but I'm not exactly sure where that gap is yeah i don't know how we fix that yeah <laughs> um, it, it obviously affects us in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um but maybe we just don't realize it i don't know right well, i wish it, I wish it wasn't this way because <laughs> yeah. I, I i feel like when i when i see like even just a smaller group of students you know get politically active you can really feel the power that you have as um as a collective as a class i mean it's it's um it's really impressive stuff and um you know, the only way to fix that is to look inwards and realize that we have the power in our hands um, right we just have to take it right and how would you take that stance and apply it to unions to explain the power of unions to students so again the union is not something that is coming from outside of us and like taking over and sort of saying, okay, this is the way things are gonna be. Um, the union is you. It comes from us as workers, you know, democratically electing a committee to bargain with the school and um, win gains that are in our interests. Um, it's, it's one of the sort of easiest ways to realize the power that you have when, when, when you stick together is you sort of see, wow, I can have like a direct economic victory mm -hmm. um, just by, you know, signing a union card, getting involved. Right. And there is a student union at Laurier and that student union runs elections. They have a student government. They fight for different things that students want as a general population. Um, and now you're making a a somewhat smaller union for a specific job on campus, on-campus jobs. And maybe that would inspire other um, jobs on campus to be a part of a union too, or if that's already existed, I wouldn't be surprised. So there's there are five different unions on, okay. I mean, when I, when I, other than the students union, which I wouldn't really call a union, but the right. five different sort of labor unions. Um, there is CUPE, Canadian Republic Employees, which represents the uh, caretakers at Laurier the facilities folks um the schools try to sort of screw with them by contracting a bunch of work out this is this another story there's the uh professors union walufa Lori university faculty association they have two bargaining units one for contract faculty which almost went on strike last term so i'm sure you'll remember and then another bargaining unit for uh full-time professors mm -hmm. then there's walusa staff association they represent like the administrative staff and a lot of people work in the library. Um, then there is UFCW, which represents food service. Um, and they work for a company called Aramark, which the school contracted out all of our food service to. Um, and then there is uh, PSAC, the Public Service Alliance of Canada, which represents the grad TAs and you know, soon hopefully the IAs. 
Um, there's actually another one. There's also uh, IATSE. They represent like the the stage employees. Um, so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of union activity on campus already. Yeah, yeah. I and I mean, I've heard a few of them, but I didn't hear of all of them. So that's definitely something that, and maybe because they're not applicable to what I do at Laurier, but that is interesting that they're so active in the Laurier that we know and the institution, how it runs and the people that run it. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're everywhere. Look around. They're, they're unionized employees, um, you know, making, making our learning experience great at Laurier. Um, and I think that a lot of employees, especially student employees could benefit from, from me. And um, I don't know, I haven't talked to a lot of those folks about joining, but um, they're certainly welcome to reach out and, and send a union code and, and get involved because right. you know, the more of us there are, the more value we have. I am familiar that master students at Laurier, um, at least in the arts program, do get um, a do get the opportunity to apply as IAs. So, how many undergraduate IAs are there? So, this is another tricky part. Um, uh, the sort of like employee classification, mm-hmm. but um, the. So what, what usually what they have, what they do, and this is part of their collective agreement with the grad student union, is where there's need and where there's funding, um, they'll hire grad TAs first. And then once they've once they've hired all the grad TAs, then they'll start hiring IAs. And they don't usually post those publicly, but they'll sort of like, sometimes they will, departments will do it their own way. Um, and grad students will apply to be IAs all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you'll end up with, 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 you know, grad TAs are not, don't represent all the grad students working as TA slash IAs. Right. It's tricky because there's this sort of, there's a number of people who work as IAs that are grad students and they were getting paid 27 an hour for a while. But uh, we filed a grievance with the union that uh, because they were doing, you know, union work and we're grad students, they should be getting full pay, the, the, the 40 hours an hour that the grad TAs get. And so, um, you know, the school caved and uh, they they raised the pay for grad IAs about a week ago, to 40, which is uh, great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the number of IAs, um, you know, the school doesn't doesn't give that information out. That would make it too easy for me. <laughs> but I, I filed a freedom of information request, a couple actually, um, to, uh, you know, give you the numbers for that because they're public servants. Yeah, they're, you know, um, they're well organized, the administration, and they're they're when they get hostile, they're they're pretty effective. But um, we will win. <laughs> Absolutely, I think that there's definitely a, a a gap in in finding a way to bring all IAs together because I wasn't familiar with who was an IA, who wasn't an IA, um, and I think it's important also for those people to be connected so that you know um how they're processing their contract and how they're going about their job i think that's important it's not like we all collectively work together it's kind of unless you're working for the same class um it's a little bit individual yeah yeah the easiest way to build power in your workplace is to talk to your coworkers, and that sounds intuitive but like we started like a whatsapp group 
I used to talk in. And this, the amount of things we learned that are just completely different about every contract is astounding. Right. I mean, some people are like, well, I get only paid 18 an hour. I get paid 21. I only get five hours a week. I only get 10. I don't run any labs. I do. I can run three labs. We get one hour. Like, it, they, the contracts are so vastly different. That, um, it is important to note that you also, I mean, how you noted it before, but you rank which classes you would prefer to work for and which professors you would prefer to work for. Or how does it work for you? Not all departments do that. Some do. PolySci does that. It's different for department to department. I think only PolySci does that. Okay. Um, and yeah, which is, again, you know, if we had just one system for hiring, and where you posted all the all of them publicly, and you let people, you know, uh, submit a resume and um, do interviews, which a lot of times you know, they don't do interviews. Uh, did you do an interview when you got hired? No, I didn't. Um, I just ranked which classes I have taken, and so that I'd be qualified to to teach for them and work for them, and then I uh, ranked which times for instructional labs and for um, tutorials um, that I was available for based on my school um, and my school schedule, so. Right, and that's a system that makes sense. I mm-hmm. I rather like that. And that's one of the cool things about a union is you can literally, you know, democratically make the job look how it should, because we as workers really know how to do it best. And, right. Um, I've heard the hiring process, processes are, are one of the most egregious things about this. Um, they're just, they seem to be random depending on the department. Like, right. Um, in, in business, there's like two rounds of interviews for some classes and they have all this training and, and stuff, um, which is cool. And, and um, I'd like to, you know, talk to IAs and see what, what system you know, they, they think would work best. Right. Almost like a town hall or something is kind of what you're doing. The modern day town hall and your WhatsApp message. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I, and I encourage all you to join um, mm-hmm. our WhatsApp, even if you're not, you know, really compelled by my arguments that you should join the union. Um, you know, just talk to us. Talk about what your job, what the job looks like for you. We're always, we're always looking to learn. Yeah, awesome. And I say that to you, Kelsey, and also anyone who's listening. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we're we're selling me and the audience here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so going forward, um, this is kind of uh, the third segment of the show where I ask. If you ha- could name a strong government or political role model that you have had at Laurier and explain why they have inspired you to be active, politically active. Oh, a role model at Laurier. Do they have to be like a... No, they can be in general, but I do say at Laurier because sometimes people have um, specific peers or instructors that they want to shout out. Uh, Dr. Chapman. I don't know if you've had any classes with her, but... I didn't even really know she was a she was a prof. I just knew her from like politics stuff because she's a Kitchener City Councilor, and I, I've seen her in Labor Council and stuff. Um, but uh, I walked into into our, my local politics and government class, uh, politics of cities and regions, and I saw you know Debbie there. What the professor? <laughs> but she's someone who you know can talk about these concepts like equity and and, and collective power, but then actually go and do it in Kitchener City Hall. And that's something that more than anything, I respected a person and a politician, but an educator. Um, right. You know, talk is one thing, but um, if you can actually organize, then I will respect the idea. Yeah, and try to make a substantial change. I mean, that's what the political arena is about, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, can you list maybe books or podcasts or 
blogs or anything like that, maybe a social media platform that can guide students on how to get educated on the importance of unions. Maybe you understood unions at first initially. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of newsletters I'm subscribed to that I would definitely recommend. There's one that um, Emily Leadham puts out. It's called Shift Work. It's with the, um, oh God, what are they called? Uh, Press Progress. Um, uh, there's another one, I think it's just called Rank and File. Um, it's a pretty good newsletter. Awesome. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter as well, I guess. Yeah, and they these talk about what kind of concepts? So they their goal is to um, keep people updated on what's happening in the labor movement. So they'll have like a big map of where current strikes are and where can be. Um, labor action is and, and where new workplaces have filed to organize and, and awesome. things like that. Are these um, national, international? Yeah, they're 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 you know Canada wide. Awesome. That's um, awesome. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I, I recommend checking them and Emma Leadham's got a I think she's a podcast as well. That's why I'm not sure what's called now. Okay, yeah. I think it's important. I mean maybe they get a taste from our conversation about what a student union would be like and to go further investigate what union the importance of unions in canada yeah a student's yeah. union would be re- would be really nice and like right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay and then plug yourself where can students find you and how can they contact you okay so if you are an ia and um i didn't actually explain this before but the process to forming a union um starts with you know just talking to workers and learning about the job um, and what it looks like for people and um, understanding some things that we could win. Um, next is when you start signing cards. So uh, a union card, really all it means is that you are willing to uh, call a vote in the union, whether you want to win. So when 40% of uh, workers sign a union card, then that triggers a vote within three days. And then um, the result of that vote determines whether we have a union or not. And then once we have a union, you know, we're allowed to bargain together individually um and then negotiations start and then we'll arrive at a collective agreement soon so uh if you like what i've said so far and you want to join the union and you're an instructional assistant or a research assistant they're also part of this drive. i don't think i mentioned that before, but i can't speak to that as experience as much because I'm, I'm not one of them but right. um you can head to unionize wlu.ca um and there should be instructions to sign a card there uh you can follow us on instagram at UD.SWLU, Twitter at the same name. And um, I don't know if I can like include links on here. Like five. Um, I can include them on the Instagram. Okay, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I'll plug our link tray on there. And awesome. uh, check us out, join our WhatsApp chat. Let's talk, let's organize, let's win. Yeah, uh, so that's the final message to the Golden Hawks then. That's right. Awesome, thank you, Mason. It's been a really interesting conversation. Lovely, see you around. All right, everyone, that is the end of this week's episode. Reminder that The Political Impact airs on Radio Laurier on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. weekly. You can find us on The Political Instagram, the political Impact on Instagram and also on radiolaurier.ca. Thank you again to Mason Fitzpatrick and for an inspiring conversation today all about unions. So if you guys want to check out those blog links and those... Um, the links to the IA union, you will find that on the 
Instagram. So thank you so much. I am Kelsey Hickman, and remember, your voice matters.